want to take a moment to say good morning and welcome to our campuses in Grundy County and in Waverly who are joining us now for our Stories from the Seats series during this month. You know, the Bible is filled with real-life stories from real-life people who encounter and follow Jesus and experience life change. In the early church, it was very common for people to just stand up and share what Jesus was doing in their lives as they met together in each other's homes. And that's why we do this every year, the same thing. We want the church to be people who can be real and honest about what is going on in their lives. And we believe that, that sharing stories of God at work is part of blessing a broken world both for the storyteller and also for those who hear the story. It honors the work that God is doing in everyone's lives, and it helps us to look for Jesus, Jesus at work and active in and around us. So we hope that these stories of hope and courage and power will remind all of you how, how, how God is is chasing after you, how he is with you and for you when you feel lost and when you feel abandoned, or how he is constantly loving and changing all of us. So I want to invite Wade to come on up and join me up here. Wade Olson is a familiar face to Orchard Hill. He uh, He's had a strong and intimate connection with with Orchard, especially at our Grundy campus, even back in the days when they were meeting in the theater and our Lincoln, our Lincoln Center campus and also our our Waverly campus. And a big part of that reason is is because of this this family right here. Uh, this is the Hinkle family uh, who led both our Lincoln Center and our Waverly campus for many years. And Rachel Hinkle is your daughter, which is something maybe a lot of people don't know, but that explains some things. Now, Wade may also be familiar to you because he's a retired school teacher, what, 40 years altogether? Um, but you also spent 28 years in Cedar Falls at Holmes Junior High right. teaching science. And I heard more than one student tell me personally that you were one of their favorites. So we're really glad. Uh, that you're willing to share your story with us this morning. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Well, I'm very excited and humbled to have the privilege of speaking to you this morning. Uh, I've always enjoyed the Stories from the Seats uh, series at Orchard Hill. I love to listen to people tell their stories. Uh, one reason for my interest in other people's stories will be evident as I tell my story this morning. Uh, and I just uh, special welcome again to uh, to Grundy Center and Waverly and uh, and then of course all of you here and people online. So um, I guess just thinking about uh, um, about life for uh, for a long time you would think about Rachel as being the daughter of uh, Wade and 
now I'm at the stage where I am Rachel's dad, so that seems kind of cool. Okay, uh, so anyway, my goal in sharing my story is to focus on, focus our attention on what God has done and is doing for all of us. And my prayer is that you will be blessed. Uh, I, and I am an old science teacher, so you're going to get a little bit of science here. Uh, my goal, or I grew up in Hibbing, Minnesota, which is an iron mining town in northeastern Minnesota. Okay, so this is a little unusual, but uh, I don't know uh, if you know about Hibbing. It's probably best known for uh, having one of the largest human-made holes in the ground right next to it. In fact, uh, it is the largest uh, open pit iron mine uh, in Minnesota and one of the largest open pit iron mines in the world. And um, it actually, the, the, they started mining in 1895 and uh, the mines go 24-7. I mean, there's three shifts of mining that goes on, and that's been continuous. Uh, they're mining today. I mean, it's still active. And uh, I did bring a chunk of iron ore. This is uh, called hematite. And in fact, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, our yearbook in high school was the hematite. So. We were serious about, uh, about mining. Uh, all my uncles mined, my cousins, um, just my, my grandpa was a miner. Uh, so that was just a big part of growing up in Hibbing. Um, okay, so anyway, this is hematite. This is high-grade iron ore. Uh, right now, they're mining taconite. Sometime in the 60s, uh, they switched over to taconite because this was pretty much all gone. But in, uh, uh, between World War I and World War II, uh, the United States, um, one-fourth of the steel in the United States came from northern Minnesota. So, okay, so a little history, too. Uh, so that's a chunk of, what is this called? Hematite. Okay, good. Okay, now this is really heavy. And I have to say, uh, I asked my mother, uh, when she came to visit us, this is years ago, I said, I really want a piece of hematite for my class. Do you think you could bring one? And uh, so the next time she came down, she, uh, she brought this. Uh, this is over 30 pounds because, of course, it's, uh, it's pure iron. Okay, well, anyway. Um, there, I'm going to put it down like this. Just That would crash through this. Okay, well, anyway, so that is my uh, hometown. My family attended Grace Lutheran Church every week. I had amazing parents, and I have two younger brothers. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll mention my dad again, but uh, with my mom, this kind of reminds me of my mom, because she was kind of the rock in our family. She was a prayer warrior. She was the one that uh, probably is responsible for uh, for me being up here, uh, for my brothers, um, all the, her grandchildren. I mean, everybody um, 
really found the Lord through her prayer. Okay, so, um, in high school, a friend of mine asked me if I'd like to go to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes summer sports camp. A Minnesota Viking was going to be there along with some other notable sports people. Uh, I love sports and thought it would be great. Uh, a man named Bill McGee was the keynote speaker, and he was a Dave Bartlett, Enrique Ochoa kind of guy. He talked about Jesus in a way that I had never thought about. He told the story of Jesus clearing the money changers out of the temple. In Bill's words, Jesus was not a meek man wearing sandals, shuffling around in the desert. No, Jesus grew up as a carpenter in the days before Black and Decker made power tools. Carpenters used axes, mallets, chisels. They didn't order lumber from Menards. Uh, the speaker said that he pictured Jesus as being 6'6", 240 pounds of rock-solid muscle. I mean, the guy walked a lot. He, um, he could go without eating for 40 days. I mean, he was a physical specimen. Uh, when Jesus rolled up his robe sleeves in the temple, the vendors caught a glimpse of those biceps and scattered in fear. Those huge wooden tables laden with money bags that Jesus and his dad might have built crashed to the floor with a resounding boom. Well, my 17-year-old brain just loved that mental picture. Uh, I mean, Jesus was the perfect man in mind and soul. Why not body? Could he have played for the Vikings, the Bud Grant Vikings of old? And maybe they could have won at least one of those four Super Bowls. Yes, I think he could have. Okay, I remember thinking that I really wanted to give my life to Jesus, but then I also felt like maybe I wanted to keep some control myself. And uh, I kind of compared it to sitting on a fence. Uh, and and it, wasn't, it was an uncomfortable feeling. So, uh, in college, so that was my high school, and then in college, I experienced, I had an experience that took me off the fence. I was at the University of Minnesota Duluth, UMD, and I saw a sign for an InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meeting. I hadn't attended any campus Christian group meetings, but for some reason, I felt like checking this one out. I didn't know of anyone else going, so I was stepping out of my comfort zone to attend by myself. I found the meeting place, kind of slipped in the back. Uh, I was sitting there for a few minutes, and I heard my name. And I looked over, and I saw a, a guy that I had met about a week or so before, while playing basketball. Uh, I knew his name was Gary, and he was a good player, but that was all I knew about him. Uh, he also had seen signs around the campus and decided to uh, slip in the back and, uh, and attend. So I don't really remember anything about the meeting at all, um, but I did make a lifelong friend who had a major impact on my life. Gary was a committed Christian, and he was happy to talk about his faith. I hadn't really met many people like that, and was curious about his background. Uh, 
Anyway, one day I asked him how he became a Christian. Okay, this is the story now. Uh, he looked at me and said, I don't tell my story very often because people tend to doubt that I'm telling the truth. Well, that, that got my attention. Uh, I really wanted to hear it now. So Gary told me this story in 1974, and I have repeated it quite a few times since then. So this is Gary's story. Gary was 14 on a camping trip, uh, family reunion in a popular lakes region in Minnesota. His family attended church, Gary believed in God, but really didn't think often about spiritual things at all. Uh, he loved to read books about adventure and war. His family had stopped at a store in a small town on the way to the campground to pick up some supplies. Gary checked out a rack of paperback books to see if he could find something interesting to read. A book with a shiny red cover and the word slaughter caught his attention. So he bought the book. I wanted to see how that turned out. Okay, so uh, I, I have it here, but uh, it's also here and I guess there and there. Uh, so, so it says slaughter. And then I was hoping you couldn't see anything else there. So he saw that, he thought, whoa. I mean, that's blood on the cover and uh, that's my kind of book. Okay, so he, so he took that book and, I don't know, put it in a bag and a couple days of camping went by and uh, he, he, he thought of the book. So he grabbed the book and headed out on a hiking trail to find a place to read. He looked at the book and was shocked and disappointed. The book was not what he thought. It wasn't a book about warriors and blood and fighting and adventure. No. Okay. Now, um, it was Frank, Frank G. Slaughter, The Crown and the Cross, The Life of Christ. I mean, that's the last thing he was interested in on this camping trip. Okay, so he was so disgusted that he seriously considered throwing the book away. However, he had paid good money for it, and he loved to read, and he thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to give it a try. Okay, so he started reading the book, and he had to admit that it was pretty good. So he read that day, and then he uh, kind of thought about what he had read, and, uh, and I don't know if, you, if anyone has been watching the Chosen series. Okay, this, this is a good book, and I, uh, it's, to me, it reminds me of the Chosen series. It kind of gives you some backstories. I mean, all of Jesus' quotes are from the Bible, and then there's other characters that, you know, I guess would be fictional, but, um, but it's a good book. Okay, so, so anyway, uh, he, he read it that day, and then, uh, the next day, he was kind of anxious to read some more. And so he took the book, uh, went down another trail, and sat down on a rock to read the book. Okay, this is where it gets, like, pretty wild. 
So he read about Jesus asking a rich man to follow him. Okay, I was going to say something else, so I'm just going to say this. If, uh, if you were here last week and you heard Randy talk, she had just a powerful message, and she had a theme, which is, I am enough. And uh, so I thought, gee, I should have a theme. And uh, I'm going to say it's this, what's going to happen here. Okay, so... Um, so he read about this rich man that uh, Jesus asked if he would follow him, and he made some excuses. He walked away, and Jesus looked up from his book, and or Gary looked up from his book, and uh, he was kind of just thinking about what he had read, and all of a sudden, he heard the audible voice of Jesus say, will you follow me? Okay, well, he looked around and there was nobody around. And he just looked up and smiled and said, yes. Now, so he's only 14. And he told me he did not understand what he had done, except that he knew that he wanted to follow Jesus. Okay, we are still close friends. Uh, he's never had other experiences like that. But he went on to seminary. He was a theology professor at Central College. Currently, he's a pastor in Minnesota. Uh, in fact, I, it's been 47 years since he told me this story. So I sent it to him uh, so he could fact check it. And he gave me the green light to tell it. So. I mean, it's real. Okay, so, so my response, uh, that story just really shook me to the core. Uh, that night, I could not sleep. I just kept thinking about it. Uh, and I felt like Jesus was, was asking me, will you follow me? That's my theme to my story here. Okay, so, um, and I really had been on the fence for, for a long time. And it wasn't that comfortable. And I just realized that it was not me that could do anything except be willing to follow Jesus. And that was a wonderful point in my journey. I was finally willing to say yes to the call of Jesus. Okay, so, um, so his story it just deeply impacted me. Uh, I decided to become a teacher and coach like my dad. I had always loved the outdoors. My family spent a lot of time hunting and fishing in northern Minnesota. Everything about nature has always fascinated me. I ended up majoring in biology, I guess because of that interest. And in the summer of 1976, I found a teaching coaching job in northwest Iowa in the small town of Remsen. Uh, my contract listed my teaching and coaching responsibilities. I understood the teaching, high school biology. The coaching assignment was somewhat vague. It read boys basketball, boys golf, and girls athletics. Uh, I asked the principal, what, what are girls athletics? It, it was written in pencil. Uh, 
he said, he said, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, we don't really have girls' sports here, so it's going to be just low-key intramurals. And so I said, well, okay, so I signed the contract. However, when I came back to Remsen to start the school year, because I had always heard about Iowa girls' sports and, you know, how big they were, and I thought, wow, they don't even have girls' sports here. Okay, so... Um, so I went, you know, back home, and then I came back, and uh, things had changed over the summer. They had decided to initiate, like, a full-blown interscholastic sports for girls. And, of course, one guy had signed a contract <laughs> saying he was the coach. So, so I'm not kidding about this. Besides boys basketball and golf, I was coaching girls cross-country, girls volleyball, girls track, girls golf, and girls softball. In fact, the only thing that didn't change was the salary, which was, <laughs> which was $300. Okay, well, the other thing of note about my life was my first apartment. Uh, the principal found an apartment for me, and I took it sight unseen. It was a basement apartment, and it had everything a person would need to survive, uh, although there was one problem that was hard to ignore. And I can, I can hardly blame the principal, because he was kind of a short guy. Uh, the basement had a six-foot ceiling, and, and I'm way taller than six feet. And uh, the only place I could stand was in the shower. Um, but, um, and one other thing. Uh, when I dreamed of starting my career, I know you'll have trouble um, understanding this, but I was willing to go anywhere. The forests, the mountains, the lakes, the oceans, anywhere but Iowa. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I might have had an attitude adjustment, uh, and I'll come to that, but, um, so my first week in Iowa was not the greatest. For one thing, 60 girls came out for volleyball. And we only had three volleyballs and one soccer ball, which we had to use. Okay, plus there were no volleyball court lines on the gym floor. Uh, and it was chaos. It was the original chaos. Okay, so that weekend I drove back to the Twin Cities to visit some friends who went to the University of Minnesota. They hadn't started classes yet, and we had a great time. I left the cities late Sunday afternoon to make the five-hour drive back to my basement apartment. I didn't know anyone at all in Northwest Iowa. We had a home volleyball game coming up that week, and I still needed a rule book and lines. I couldn't stand up in my apartment. I didn't have any lesson plans for the next week. My friends were all happy in Minnesota. All I could see for miles and miles was this tallest corn I've ever seen. Okay, I really did not want to go back to Iowa. I felt like driving off the road. I was not feeling the joy of the Lord at all. I decided to praise and thank God for my miserable situation. I remembered a verse about being anxious, and I, I'm sure that you all know this verse, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I started to thank God for the mess that he had gotten me into. I couldn't really think about anything that was good. So I just kept saying, praise God, thank you, Lord. My mood was terrible. There was no way I could change it. And all of a sudden, I was hit with a wave of peace and joy. I mean, I never understood what is that peace that passes all understanding. And at that moment, it was like, whoa, I understand what passes all, surpasses all comprehension means. I started to smile and laugh out loud, um, driving my little maverick. My circumstances had not changed, but my heart was filled with peace and joy. And this definitely surpassed all comprehension. Okay, I'm gonna share one more story from my 1976 year that greatly impacted my life. So, um, my life as a new teacher was very busy. After practice every night, I ate at the drive-in restaurant near the school. I always got a cheeseburger, fries, bowl of chili, Mr. Pibb, and a shake. I couldn't really cook, so that was, I was just fine with, with that. Okay, although I did not want to, um, I wanted to be healthy, and so occasionally I would buy a head of cabbage and eat it like a giant apple on the couch watching TV. Okay, so that kept me pretty healthy. Um, another first-year teacher named Diane taught English in the room next to me. She was an amazing teacher with the loudest laugh I had ever heard. And we got along pretty well. One day I shared my story with her. She was pretty busy too. She had the arts version, paper, yearbook, everything else um, of what I had for sports. Okay, so um, I told the story that Gary told me. And Diane had grown up in a Christian home and she believed in God. Um, and she was ready for the next step of having a personal relationship with Christ. As I had never really led anyone to the Lord, I, I knew that you're supposed to follow up, so we ended up getting married in <laughs> 1978, so. Okay, and she's somewhere in the room, but she doesn't want me to look or point at her, I know. Okay, uh, so two weeks after we got married, we moved to Northwest Oregon for a couple of years, and that was my dream location. The Willamette Valley, trees, mountains, ocean, lakes, um, and although there will not be a quiz over this, uh, I'm gonna offer five extra credit points for anyone that knows what geologic event occurred at 8 a.m. on Sunday, May 18th, 1980, 70 miles northeast of our Oregon home. Oh, okay. A lot of you are getting extra credit for this. I, I'm not sure where you get it from, but somebody will probably. Okay, so I have, uh, I brushed this off my car, you know, a few years ago. Uh, and that is genuine Mount St. Helens ash. And what I would tell my students is, if you want some of this, uh, you can ask me and I'll give you like a little Ziploc of it. So, 
So anyway, um, I'd make the same offer. So, okay, that was Oregon. Um, so we went back to Iowa. I mean, I'm kind of starting to like Iowa now. Uh, and I know a few people. And we moved back to Iowa, the town of Alta, where we lived for eight years. Uh, during that time, our daughters, Rachel and Rebecca, were born. Uh, and in 1988, we moved to Cedar Falls. And uh, we have lived here ever since. Our third daughter, Bethany, was born in 1990. Um, okay, I have one health um, story, and that's, uh, I said to Diane, should I put that in there? And she said, oh yeah, you gotta have something like that in your stories from the seeds. So, so anyway, um, through the years, I've had some health issues concerning my heart. In 92, I had my aortic valve replaced with a mechanical valve. And as a result, I have a very unusual sounding heartbeat. It's more of a click, click than a lupped up. Uh, and it's loud, so you might be able to hear it over the sound system. But I don't know, I can't really put a microphone there. The kids at school would just love to hear that. Um, anyway, I've had many ablations and pacemakers well, three pacemakers, if that's many. Not, you know, one at a time, not, I don't have three. Okay, um, so I've had trouble with heart rhythm problems and the Mayo Clinic doctors have been involved with most of my procedures and surgeries. And one time I was at St. Mary's Hospital getting my fourth ablation, which would work for about like three months and then it wouldn't work anymore. Um, I had chronic AFib. I was waiting in a curtained off stall for the anesthesiologist to come and, and do his magic and I really did not think the procedure would work. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was kind of a woe is me again and it, yes, it happened again. I was thinking about liturgy we had at the Lutheran Church. The first two lines, uh, I could only think of the first two lines, but created me a clean heart, O oh God and renew a right spirit within me. Um, I just kept repeating those because I thought, creating me a new, a clean heart, oh God. He's the creator and you know, he could fix this. So I repeated those verses until they wheeled me into the operating room. And I did, I got the peace that passed all comprehension. And that peace doesn't just last, you know, for that day, it's like uh, long term. Okay, so, um, uh, retirement life. Uh, I retired from Holmes Junior High in 2016. Diane retired from Cedar Falls Alternative High School in 2018. So we both experienced some life transitions. I still teach driver's ed because it's so relaxing and fun and <laughs> some, sometimes terrifying navigating roundabouts with 14 year olds. But um, both Diane and I have the privilege of hanging out with our eight, soon to be nine, amazing grandchildren. Um, and while the pandemic has kept us homebound for the past year, we have been blessed by meeting via Zoom with our small group Bible study from Waverly. Uh, and finally, I'm going to um, end with this, this is like my go-to uh, passage, and now I know the rest of it, but 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Uh, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Okay, so this passage, and especially this last part of it. Now, that's what this um, telling your story is all about. If you ever have considered taking a class, the journey class is, is a great class. I mean, you will hear amazing stories, um, and this is kind of what you do. You, uh, well, I want to think about these verbs. So, in that passage, create in me a clean heart. Um, this is King David. He had done something pretty bad. You can read the backstory on it, you know, if you want, but um, you probably know what it was. Uh, but anyway, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. So, God can create, He can renew, He can restore the joy of your salvation and sustain you and me with a willing spirit. So as we think about our journey with God, this is a wonderful prayer. Uh, I try to say it every day. Uh, if you haven't yet experienced that joy, then you are invited to come off the fence and follow Jesus. So thank you and God bless you all. Thanks, Wade. Um, appreciate you being here and, and, and sharing your life, your story, your, your heart with us too. Um, I'm going to say a prayer for, for Wade and for us, and then we'll move into a time of singing. Uh, God, thank you for, for the work, the good work that you have done in Wade's life. God, thank you for the influence that the, he has been able to have over so many lives um, over such a period of time the reluctant coach uh, the the eager teacher um, the listener the compassionate heart um, the husband the dad grandfather the driver's ed teacher, <laughs> um, and the joy you have placed in him, and when he's needed it, that you've reminded him of that. Thank you for his story. Thank you for what you have taught us through it as we've listened. Now restore in us what it is that we need today. Joy, strength, courage, forgiveness, patience, love, your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you for all of our stories. Thank you for the good work you're doing in all of us. Bless Wade and his family. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.